The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. listening to the best of the roto experts in the morning i want to put in a petition i want to i want to write a letter to to manfred about you know just let's just put the dh in 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 both leagues you know because when these american league pitchers go and hit or more specifically run the bases you know these they can they can risk injury masahiro tanaka goes on the dl with both hamstrings, you know, kind of running the bases, didn't look too uh, smooth doing it. What do you think about, what do you think about this, this idea of pitchers, you know, hitting and, and cause they do wind up taking on more uh, risk here to knock the latest to go down in this kind of situation. Well, you can look at it two ways. Number one, Tanaka is obviously not used to running the bases and not right. being physically trained for it. Uh, so that's one way to look at it. The other thing is, well, maybe Tanaka should be ready for that because he's just pitching <laughs> in the National League here and there. So, you know, injuries, injuries are going to happen in baseball regardless, so whether it's running the bases or not. Uh, it, look, the, the Yankees knew this was coming. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what Tanaka's training regimen is, so it's, there, there's really two, way, two ways to look at it, but it's not going to change. So mm-hmm. you have to be ready. Yeah, I, I, think, I think American League pitchers – just have to be ready for it. As far as the Yankees, that was the first time last night all season that they've they've been shut, been shut out. out. So it speaks to how well their offense has played. Uh, Judge actually didn't start and only came in a game as right. a pinch hitter last night and grounded out. Yeah, absolutely. They also had uh, we also had uh, the neighborhood play come up again. You know, late in the game when Jose Reyes they overturned a call. Looked like he did not get it the turned bag. out not to be. They didn't get. They, it's not the neighborhood play anymore because they called right. The they didn't stake. call the neighborhood play. They yeah. assumed the neighborhood play, and then with the replay, they actually overturned it, sticking to the letter of the law. I thought that was interesting. Scott, though Tanaka, not the only pitcher banged up. I mean, Steven Strasburg goes on the DL over the weekend. I believe Doug Fister as well. You know, we haven't spoken Scott since Friday. I know that some people banged up. I mean, like. We don't know about Donaldson, if he's going to come back. Where I mean, uh, Carlos Correa missed all the games this weekend, I believe, with a side. And at the top of the show, we heard Vlad Guerrero Jr. down there in A is going to be missing some time. You Darvish as well. Uh, the infirmary unit continues, huh, Scott? Yeah, and on a positive note, Daniel Murphy might actually return for the Nationals mm-hmm. this week as uh, they have an interleague series with the Yankees in New York and that gives him an opportunity to DH and maybe let him hit and not play the field for a few days. So that's positive. Strasburg being on the, on the DL, well, you know, that's 
we always see that. You know, that that's certainly nothing new. Right. Uh, as Cabrera last night with the hamstring injury, he's day-to-day. Day, day day. When you look at things like Cabrera and Correa and even Murphy, you have to wait to see reports today. First pitch not till 7.05 tonight, but you want to know whether these guys are starting or not. Just in case uh, Cabrera is not available, one league I have Cabrera and Murphy, so I had to pick up Corey Spangenberg uh, to basically play second base if neither of these guys is available. Huge blow, Scott, to Angels fans and to fantasy owners. Breaking news here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Shoni Otani out for the year. Tommy John surgery, Scott. Yeah, and this was a fear that I think both fantasy players and Angel fan had when he went on the deal with the UCL because, you know, we, we I was reading some reports that, you know, that there was more tearing, more fraying, etc. And this was a fear that when they had more tests that this could happen, that they didn't know about this, and now we get the confirmation. Uh, but he's going to be very, very hard to replace for the Angels in a lot of ways. And for fantasy players, if you had him as a hitter, there was a stretch where earlier in the year where he was playing really, really well, and he was saying, okay, uh, even if he only gets in the lineup a few times a week, he's been really producing. But then there were the blister problems, et cetera. And, you know, now you just have this. You know, it really kind of muddles the outlook even in a, in a keeper or a dynasty league. Yeah, absolutely. Because as you know, Scott, I mean, this is not a year. This is really like an 18 months plus kind of thing, right? So you got to figure he's out for this year. You got to figure, Scott, I mean, and, and to be honest, they'll probably want to be cautious with their prize youngster. I mean, the kid is still young. You got to figure this Otani is out for this year. Otani is probably out all of next year as well. I don't know if we could say all of next year. I mean, now, Scott, either. when do you expect him back? When, when, how many pitches come back in inside 15 months from Tommy John? I'm I'm just saying uh, we don't we don't know exactly that he's going to miss all of next year too. Uh, I think I think when you were originally saying that he can miss a good chunk of next season, yeah, know, I think that's accurate. Okay, I, I don't know because everybody's body feels differently. To say he's out next year too, I think I think we don't know that yet. Okay, fair. Fair enough, Scott. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I'm just very excited here on Roto Experts in the morning. We're breaking big news here. Shoni Otani likely to have Tommy John surgery. But, Scott, I mean, you know, we're 12 months from the All-Star break of next season. You know what I mean? So this is not like – this is not spring well, training. We're here in the well, middle of the I, 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 I guess I'm wrong. I'm reading this report, and I'm wrong. Uh, okay. That, Tell me. What do you, you got? Know, that that, that the, the ESPN report is saying that – they don't expect him back until at least 2020. So, so there you, you go. Know, I, I, mean, I, I'm, I'm, I was wrong there. No, it's okay, Scott. Listen, yeah. you're a Hall of Famer, man. Even yeah. you're allowed to get you're allowed to get it wrong every now and then. I just think, listen, because you know, in football we think of things like ACLs, and we think these things are like 12 month injuries at some point, right? But we have seen a lot of pitchers who you know take that extra time and warm up because we've seen people that try to come back early and wind up hurting themselves again or being horribly ineffective you know so you would think they want to be cautious with this guy Scott you know what the other thing i think of is right away you know how we've been talking about major league baseball and the five man rotation and how 
we may be coming to a point where we realize we need to protect these kids' arms a little bit more. They were trying to do it with Otani, staggering starts, things of that nature. But honestly, Scott, I'm telling you right now, I am officially on the six-man rotation bandwagon to try to protect these guys' arms, Scott. This is crazy. It's happening everywhere. There's, you know, there's certain, there's starting to be research and data that this is, you know, the unnatural motion that is, is, you know, inhumane stress on the elbow. Maybe we really should look into kind of going into a six-man rotation. Is that crazy, Scott? Do you think more and more teams might start to protect their folk, their, their, their prized arms this way? There's such an investment financially. I don't see it happening. Really? I really don't. Not a, not a, not a wide not a widespread basis. It's it's just it's too ingrained in baseball to have the five man rotation. You have the six man rotation maybe when you don't have enough off days here and there. But uh, I I just I I I don't see it happening. I I, I really don't. It's it's uh, you know look Tommy John is it's it, it, the surgery the the elbow it's you know there's there's a lot of research that's gone into it it's the way that uh pitchers are raised they're brought up they're taught to pitch etc uh i don't i don't know necessarily that resting anybody one more day is going to widespread prevent injuries necessarily uh, i think a lot of pitchers are are into a rhythm you know to pitch up once every 5 days and you know that that routines are so ingrained in Major League Baseball to widespread, broad stroke a routine across Major League Baseball altogether is I don't think that something is going to happen at least overnight. Yeah, I'm not saying overnight necessarily, but correct me if I'm wrong, Scott. Isn't the norm the default in uh, Japan? Isn't it six-man rotations? Don't they start once a week out there? To be honest with you, I wouldn't know. Okay. You know, I'm not fair gonna enough. go out and say that. I don't I don't watch Japanese baseball at all. Yeah, fair enough. I do I do believe I've read enough. Uh by the way, I definitely recommend You Gotta Have Wa and the Samurai Way of Baseball, two great books about Japanese baseball and their relationship with American baseball. I do believe that out there they go in the six man rotation, but maybe Bavona can double check that for me. If you're just missing it at the top of the hour here, breaking news, Shoni Otani. The big stud on the Los Angeles Angels, likely to have Tommy John surgery and miss the rest of this year and a huge chunk, if not all, of next year as well. The Comet, the rising star of Shoni Otani, lasts about two and a half months in Major League Baseball. Sad for Angels fans and especially for uh, fantasy owners of Otani. Scott, let me ask you this, though. Not from fantasy baseball, but from, you know, an American League playoff perspective. Otani was a a big piece of these angels that went ahead and made some other moves. You know, the Ian Kinsler's, the Zach Cozart's of the world with the, you know, perennial MVP candidate, Trout. You got Pujols doing well on his last legs. We've talked about how Justin Upton can carry a team for a while, how Andrelton Simmons is having a good year. Personally, I thought these angels were going to be able to, uh, you know, kind of outlast the Seattle Mariners and any other team not named the Red Sox or the Yankees for that kind of wild card spot in the American League. What do you think this means for the fate of the Angels in terms of a playoff contender? And if you're a team like the Seattle Mariners sitting there who you thought were going to have to go all the way neck and neck with a team like the Angels for the playoff race, what does this do to the composition of the American League playoff push? 
It hurts, but, you know, the Mariners have lost Cano for an extended period, too. Sure. Uh, you know, this is still a pretty good team overall. Uh, looking at the rotation, Richards, uh, Keeney, Skaggs, and Tropiano, yeah. the, the – uh, the rotation's kind of mediocre without without Otani in there, you know, being the ace. Uh, Skaggs has had a nice year, and he's actually been able to stay healthy. I think you like the offense with Upton and Trout. Uh, Kindler's starting to come on a little bit. Uh, but Pujols, the, yeah. and, and Pujols kind of still hanging on, but uh, this is a big blow. And fantasy-wise, it's interesting because – Otani didn't get drafted in some leagues because he had such a terrible spring, and pe- people were reactionary. I, I had to pick pick him up off of waivers right. in tout wars. He he wasn't drafted, and I I spent like a good chunk of money to get him and get him in waivers, and he was everything that had to be advertised. Sure. It's a big blow for fantasy teams. You're not going to find a replacement for him as a pitcher on the waiver wire. You're just not. So if it's a big blow to your fantasy pitching. I think you have to make a trade of some sort to basically replace Otani. As a hitter, I think it's much easier to replace him. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, his, his hitting is something that we do believe can be repla- uh, replaced. But you're absolutely right, Scott. As a pitcher, this guy had some dominant outings for you when he was a part of, get this, Scott, your fantasy staff, not your fantasy rotation. Would this make you more likely, Scott? You know how we toyed with the idea of maybe flipping a DeGrom uh, if you thought that he might not stay in the NL universe for a while, would you be more likely to try and get like a see if you can get a Sean Newcomb and a Mike Fultonevich or an Aaron Nola and a you know uh, Patrick Corbin kind of thing for a guy like a, a, a Jacob Degrom? Uh, would you be more likely to do a kind of quantity over quality kind of trade uh, if you were losing uh, someone like Otani and you need to get like two above average guys instead of like? Your, your true ace anymore? Would you entertain kind of a move like that? I don't know if you can get a newcomer and a Fulton Evich. I think that, okay. that's kind of that that's kind of asking a little bit much. Okay. Uh, even though Newcomb had a down start yesterday, and if you're worried that a Degrom is going to get traded to the American League, I look. I'm not saying nothing can never happen, but I think uh, I, I think that uh, that's very unlikely to happen. If okay. one of the two Met pitchers were to be dealt, I think it'd be Syndergaard because you know they younger. have the they have the Grom under control until 2020, and they think maybe they can tend before that. I'd be surprised. I'd be really shocked if they trade either one of those big pieces because they're so young, and even if even if the Mets are in a retooling phase at some point. They still have to build around those guys, so I'd I'd be very surprised to see either one of those happen. I think I think those 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 two things are more media creations than anything, you know, to like stock the back page yeah. of the daily news. As far as like uh, trading to Degrom, and if you can bring him back two really good pitchers, I I think I think you know that that's something you have to entertain. Of course, it depends on who it is. Yeah, if you can get it, if you can get a newcom. And and uh, you know somebody else, I think I think that's something you have to look at. Yeah, especially if you've lost a guy but like. If, you, if I had Otani. new command, Fulton Evich, and you came to me and, and said I have to give up both, I'd I'd consider it. But in the end, I think it'd be both to do because you're talking about uh, you know Newcomb has been pitching like a number one like most of and the Fulte year. Fulton has to be quite honest. has been pitching like a pitching like a number two. So. Yeah. Uh, I think you'd have to fit. I think you'd work around that sort of nucleus, 
uh, you know, what's the second player you're going to include in something like that? You know, are you going to throw me a Jordan Lyles who may bounce back? You know, they may be more motivated to do it. So you got to explore it. I, th- I think you certainly have to explore it. Or, you know, if you have a surplus of hitting, you know, right now is the ter- time to make a move. It's really all about, though, looking at your categories and estimating where you are right now mm-hmm. and, you know, seeing, you know, how much do I really need to pick up the – What's the rest of my staff look like right now? Because if Otani was my my third best starter, you know, maybe I don't need to make a move. Yeah, let's say last last kind of uh, I guess case study on this, and then we'll move on, Scott. Let's say you had Otani as as like your second best pitcher, okay? Which is possible. You had him as your two or your three. Would you take your ace? Let's say it was Degrom, or let's not get let's get away from the uh, you know we could even get away from the idea of. NL only leagues. Let's say your ace is a DeGrom, uh, a Cole, a Severino, someone like that. Would you do something like, you know, would you do something like a, a Fulty and a Mikolas? Would you do a Stripling and a Lester? Would you do a, a Walker, a, a Waka and a Corbin kind of thing to try? Because conceptually, Scott, what we're talking about is if you lose one of your top horses, do you go ahead and turn your big time ace into two very good, you know, do you take your elite and try to turn it into two very good to make up for the loss of one of your uh, aces, in this case, Shoni Otani? You know, some of those things, like let's say, like I'm saying right here, Scott, you know, like a Lester and a Fultonavich, a Morton and uh, a Mikolas, you know, a Stripling and a Waka, these sorts of things. You offer me Stripling and Waka, I'd be hard pressed to turn that down i think i think that's a good deal but it all again it all depends on your team context sure and you know if you had a good top three starters if you say you told me you had Degrom, uh price and snell right uh i think i'd be and then otani was your fourth i think you'd be okay it really depends on who that third starter is and where you are in the standings uh you know if you're so far ahead out in strikeouts that you can take the hit and stand pat for a little while. Maybe you want to do it. Stay with what you have. Shoni Otani was likely to have Tommy John surgery as the day went on. The Angels kind of said, nah, let's not so fast, okay? Um, That there's no change in his status, that they are cautiously optimistic that he could avoid Tommy John surgery. I'm of two minds on this, Scott. You know, on the first side, I'm like, listen, this kid is still young. You know, having Tommy John surgery, unfortunately, is sort of commonplace these days. Maybe he should just have the surgery, you know, even though I know, you know, you want to avoid surgery at all costs. Maybe he should just have the surgery, sit out the 12 to 18 months, and be back instead of having this be an issue that hangs over his head. Then on the other side of things, you know I'm a Yankee fan, Masahiro Tanaka pretty much had the same, a similar thing, opted not to have the surgery, and he's, you know, been held together by spitting glue in that elbow, but it seems to be working for him, so I guess it's possible. Um, what do you think about the kind of moving target that is the reports on Otani? Well, everybody's diff- body's body is different. Uh, I think you know, the Angels refuted that report, yeah. meaning that it's probably not as bad as was first Favorite indicated. Yeah. I, I really don't think anybody knows anything for sure where we can speculate whether he should have the surgery or not. 
I don't think the Angels are going to risk anything with Shohei Otani and bring him back too early if he's not ready. So I think they're going to see how things heal. Wait another three weeks. So that means maybe if you have a DL spot, which I do in Tout Wars, and that's where I have Shohei Otani, uh, that's where I'm going to leave him on the DL spot rather than just cutting him uh, outright. You know, that's that's about all you can do. All you can do as a fantasy owner right now is just sit and wait. And if you get him back as a hitter, uh, what kind of hitter is he going to be? You, you, you just don't know because how is that injury going to affect his hitting? You just you just don't know. It's it's nothing but uncertainty certainty right now, and I'm not a medical expert where I should speculate whether he should have the surgery or not. That's not my decision to make. You know, I'm a fantasy expert. All I can say is uh, if you have the room and you don't have a DL spot, uh, keep them stashed if you can. But then it depends on with the size of your league. If you're in a 10-team league and there's somebody out there that you really want, you probably got to cut them. Hey, Jake, I didn't have a chance to talk to you on Monday after the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, kind of got swept. We talked about that. What are your thoughts about LeBron coming to the post-game press conference with that cast and, you know, kind of like revealing to the world, in essence, his excuse, you know, that he was playing with a kind of fractured or cracked a broken hand, whatever it was, for three games after frustration in game one. Listen, we get all over Amari Stoudemire when he punches a fire extinguisher or whatever it is when he gets frustrated. But LeBron, we use it as, oh, you know, what, to protect his reputation? I was a little bit uh, put off by LeBron, you know, using that as a dramatic tool, in my opinion. What do you think, Jake? I don't know that it was a dramatic tool. I just feel like it's just people pick and choose the way they want to react to things. You mean like when Odell Beckham punched a wall and kicked the net and like right. this people, all players, it's not the first time somebody's done it. It's not the first time or the last time it's going to happen because players get mad just as we do. And, yeah, I mean, you see people lose their minds at home with the video sure. of, like, you're just watching games. The players are going through it themselves. I, you know, but I'm not going to fault LeBron for punching a whiteboard. Heck, if I was in a locker room and I wanted to punch something after J.R. Smith blew game one, I probably would have went for the whiteboard, too, because in your mind it's like, all right, this is the least threatening. Like, <laughs> right. I won't break my hand on this. Like, it'll just, you know, move out of the way or whatever. Obviously, it didn't. But I think the downside of it is what we've already talked about LeBron James is one of the reasons he's going to continue to fail in conversations versus Michael Jordan is because of the perception. And the perception is he's whiny. There's always excuses. There's always excuses for plays. There's always excuses for the situation. There's always excuse for losing. I had a friend of mine who texted me that very thing and said, well, he broke his hand. I guess there's an excuse for why he lost the finals. And that's the thing. It's like people see it as always excuses. Now, if he really did break his hand, even if it's like a hairline fracture, even if it's like, I mean, I got to understand the fact that he still did what he did through the finals is pretty damn impressive, broken hand or not. So I think if you look at it, you know, people are going to take it however one day they want to take it. If you're a supporter of LeBron James, you're going to say, oh, he played through it. If you're somebody who doesn't like LeBron James and think he whines all the time, you're going to be like, as you said, oh, he's just look at me. Like people, same thing with Oda Beckham when he collapsed on the way to the locker room, sure. which was season potential injury and everybody was just like, oh, he's doing it because the cameras are on him. 
right. No, I hear you. And when we hear about like kind of the histrionics of players, regardless of what it is, you know, people just fit it into that narrative. I have seen, you know, clips of, for example, like you mentioned, Odell Beckham literally doing the same behaviors on the bench as a guy like Tom Brady, you know, and how the narrative is very, very different. One of them is inspirational and fired up and the other one is a, a distraction on the team. So I completely understand that. And I also agree with you, Jake. Listen, the idea that he still was, you know, you know, uh, kind of almost inhuman with how great he was, even with potentially the injury to the hand in games two, three, and four. I just think, listen, it's the end of the season. You never had to, you know, you could have just gone away, had your rehab, signed, and people wouldn't have known about this. But my thing is, like you said, LeBron always having to be kind of controlling the narrative, in my opinion, a little bit more than he needs to. But it probably does fit into, if you're a LeBron fan, you think, oh my God, what a Herculean effort to just do what he did. But if you're anti, then you're going to use this as fodder for why, uh, you know, he is not the kind of uh, uh, the killer that Michael Jordan is. But I digress. Let's spin it forward a little bit here, Jake, because as I was mentioning, there are odds out right now. I see the odds for the 2018-19 championship have been updated. The Golden State Warriors are, you know, obviously, again, the favorites at 6-5. to five, But I am intrigued by a couple of things. One, as I mentioned, the Cleveland Cavaliers right now are 30-1. to one. This has to be... Jake, based off the narrative that LeBron is leaving uh, Cleveland, going somewhere else. So I think, listen, I told you there's value to maybe pick it up here. And then as soon as LeBron does stay, potentially, you flip that bet right now when 30 to 1 turns into 4 to 1. What I think is interesting, though, Jake, is the Lakers are 14 to 1. So this has to, in essence, assume that LeBron James and maybe Paul George as well are going to be wearing uh, purple and gold next year? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, it's a big, there's a big, like, if you talk about LeBron James, if we were talking about teams and where he's playing, I mean, forget the fact of like what the finals are looking at. If you want to take odds on where we're playing and kind of, kind of loop into this, this discussion yeah. together is the fact that the Lakers are one of the three favorites. And it's because he's got two houses out there. His kids right. go to school. So it's the fact that if he goes out to L.A. and can bring Paul George with him, that'd be, he's not going to go out to L.A. by himself, though. Sure. What about, you know, we talk about going out to L.A. Yeah, I know that he's got the houses out there in Brentwood. And, you know, he, listen, LeBron wants to be his own brand. I know he has designs on Hollywood, things of that nature. So, yeah, that makes sense. But I guess my question is, uh, Jake, why is it always the Lakers instead of maybe the Clippers? Like, couldn't the Clippers then also be an option if L.A. is where we think he's going to go? Um, if I was LeBron, I wouldn't want to deal with the big baller brand for the next five years and having to worry about who knows what LeVar is going to say. If I just want to be in L.A., wouldn't it even be bigger for his quote-unquote narrative to take the little brother in town to uh, prominence instead of the Lakers? No, because he's at the twilight. He doesn't want to try and dig some team up from the gutter and make him a championship team. He's tired. Look what just happened. He's tired of that. That's the whole point of why he's leaving Cleveland. It's because mm -hmm. he's tired of doing it all by himself. What do you think the Lakers are better set up? If he brings George with him, if he brings somebody with him, what is he going to go to get at the Clippers? And the Clippers can't do it anyway. The Clippers, there's, there's no feasible way they can really make it. They would it have to move DeAndre Jordan, right, money-wise? Well, it would have to be a sign of trade, and Cleveland's not going to do like a sign of trade with anything that the Clippers would want to send back. And then you're just gutting potential talent on that team anyway.
All right, fair enough. But I always just thought it was interesting, listen, that the narrative is always around the Lakers. Yeah, they got Kuzma. Yeah, they have Ball. Yeah, they have some other young pieces. Um, but listen, these definitely assume there. As I look at these odds, though, Jake, you know where I find value? Listen, if, we, if we're thinking that LeBron may leave the Eastern Conference, and, you know, what, to be quite honest, whether he stays there or not, I actually love in these odds, I love the Boston Celtics, Jake. I love the Boston Celtics. They are at 7-1. to one. Remember, they get to the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie Irving, without Gordon Hayward. They also have, by every, most people's accounts outside of Greg Popovich, the best young coach in the NBA in Brad Stevens. So regardless of how they retool or what have you, they're going to have a stacked roster. They have that experience. They have the coaching. If they don't have the LeBron obstacle, I like the Celtics at 7-1. This is also a team that was able to play with the Golden State Warriors in their matchups this year. They quote-unquote play the right way. I think there's value with the Celtics at 7-1. They're even, you know, behind Philly in that conference who right now have shorter odds. What do you think about the Celtics at 7-1, Jake? Yeah, I think it depends on if LeBron goes west. If LeBron goes east and goes to the Sixers, there's no way I'm touching the 7-1. Fair enough. I mean, obviously, LeBron can change things. But part, part of what we're doing right here is trying to get ahead of that a little bit. Right, that's why I'm not touching it. So you would, rather, you would rather wait and see where he lands before uh, making any kind of uh... – no, I'll take here. I'll take some of the odds and chances as you were saying on somebody like you know maybe Houston even or maybe ah, the Lakers maybe he goes to the Lakers. I'm not touching Boston because I think the Sixers is a re- legitimate possibility. You do. So you think the Sixers are kind of a dark horse team. We've heard about Houston, we've heard about him staying in Cleveland, we've heard about the Lakers. Um where do you think where how do you think let's uh as we transition to Roto Clio a little bit how about we you know look a little bit into the future where ultimately do you think LeBron winds up Jake and what ultimately would be your bet at these odds for next year's NBA championship Oh Houston Rockets No uh, I, I That's think where you think he's going Yeah I think it's the with Paul and Harden Yeah and I I would not be surprised if he even does so for less than the contract that he's making now to make it happen. Hey, what does he need the money for at this point? He wants to go get a championship at the end of his career, and he's not looking to bring a team along and potentially win one in three years. He wants to probably win two or three more before he's done. He just wants to, so why not go to Houston? Houston has about a three-year window. I, I just right. think Houston, for all the reasons, makes so much sense. They, they have the room. They have the players that he wants to play with. They have a team where they can make the offense work together. So I, I think it all works. That's your spot. Let me ask you the one last thing because you mentioned the Houston Rockets. You know, that makes a lot of sense, Jake, for basketball reasons, right? But when LeBron James is making this decision, a lot of it people are talking about also has lifestyle reasons, you know? Remember, he did go to South Beach his first time. He does have the houses in L.A. So you're thinking this from this uh, pure basketball standpoint? You're thinking that's trumping even some of these kind of lifestyles, quality of life things that he might be considering as well? The dude's got a hundred bajillion dollars. He can have a lifestyle anywhere he wants. All right, but if he could have a lifestyle anywhere he wants, like for example, I hear you on Houston, right? But if he could have a lifestyle anywhere he wants, what about Oklahoma City, for example, where he already could keep Paul George there? He could have Russell Westbrook on the ball. That sounds like a pretty good big three if quality of life uh, was nothing to be, uh, you know, looked at. Like, wouldn't combining with Paul no. George, Russell Westbrook, and his boy Carmelo, wouldn't that be a decent fit too? No, because he Why doesn't not? fit. Because he doesn't fit with Carmelo and Russell Westbrook. He's not going to want to go play alongside those ball hogs. They don't, they're not friends like Chris Paul. There's not a situation there. Plus, Carmelo's Oklahoma his boy. 
Plus, Oklahoma can't afford him. There's no right. way they can make it work. All right, fair enough. We will obviously keep our eyes on all of this as we move along, Jake. I think he has until June 26th or June 29th to declare, so we will certainly keep our eye on that. Jake, let's keep it moving here. Let's talk Roto you Clio. Keep it moving, or do you want to see what Kenny and Philly wants to say about him? Ooh, we do. Excuse me. I didn't see that. We have Kenny and Philly wants to talk a little LeBron. Let's get Kenny and Philly here on Roto Experts in the Morning. Thank you, Jake. That's why we have the all-in kid. You're on Roto Experts in the Morning, Kenny. What's going on? Yo, yo, what's up, guys? Uh, um, Scott is still there? I just want to say what's up to him. So. Oh, no, Scott, Scott is there for our first hour, but we got the all-in oh, okay. kid. spitting statistician. Cool. What's going on, Kenny? How you doing? How you doing, Jakey, Mr. Mr. Matt Bravaro? Uh, what's going on with y'all? Um, I just what's wanted up? to say... Um, I'm actually going to Vegas uh, next week, and it's, I think it's the day after the uh, actual draft or whatever. So I'm, I'm, it's funny that you're talking about these odds there. I was actually look, if if LeBron doesn't leave, I was actually looking to probably put some money down on Cleveland next year for, for next year's season. Actually, so I'm I'm undecided on. I think he's going to stay, especially after after the celebration and stuff after the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the game winning shots, or whatever in Cleveland or whatever. So I actually think he's going to stay in. And for LeBron, the art of putting the team together, that's a, that's a challenge for him. So I don't think he's just going to go jump on another team or whatever or anything like that. Uh, thanks, Kenny. You know, I, I, I think that's a decent idea. Listen, Kenny, if you think that he is staying in Cleveland, then don't even wait until don't even wait until you're in Vegas. Go right now and get them at 30 to 1 because yep, even if exactly. you start hearing reports or inklings, you know, if LeBron says something about how much he loves home or anything like that, any kind of inkling that he'll stay in Cleveland, these odds are going to go down real quick. So if you think yeah. he's going to stay, I say get it at 30 to 1 right now. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, that well, that actually went and that actually went, um, I mean, it was 25 to, uh, 25 to 1, but it actually went up with everybody putting money on every on every other city. So I'm definitely going to do that. So, hey, guys, appreciate it. Thanks, Kenny. Absolutely. Call back anytime. What do you think, Jake, right? If you think he's staying in Cleveland, you got you to gotta run to grab these odds when you still can. If you really believe it, it's okay. If you really believe it, though, I'm waiting one more week because I'm waiting before the draft because he's not going to announce before the draft. You might get you might get it good to go. Up you might to get it up to thirty five forty. That's interesting. I can hear that, you know. But I would also just risk like all of a sudden, what happens if you know? I don't know. He does a cookout out there in Akron, and everyone loves him again. I, you know, I would if thirty one sounds great to me. I, I'd take it as soon as I possibly can. We were talking about how at this time of year, you're going to get all the puff pieces about how everyone loves everyone. All these running backs look amazing. Everybody's rehab is going well. Everybody's in the best shape of their life. Everybody likes the potential of these quarterbacks. So we ask people, which of these rookie quarterbacks do you think in redraft leagues would get the most fantasy football points this year, would get the most starts this year? To be honest, though, Jake, I wanted to put five options in the poll, but we could only put four. So we have Darnold Rosen, Allen, and Baker Mayfield. We're also hearing a ton about Lamar Jackson being in two quarterback sets, being like a young Michael Vick. And we got a four-way race here, Jake. Where do you think this breaks out? Right now, 35% of the people are voting with Baker Mayfield, the number one overall pick in Cleveland. How do you think it shakes out for these rookies? I told you yesterday. I don't really – I don't care which way it goes. I don't really – this is one I'm not going to try to sway an opinion on because we're trying to bake it on who's going to play 16 games. So – 
I really, you know, if you told me all of them are starting week one, I wouldn't be surprised. If you're talking about, you know, half of them halfway through the season, that's fine. So if you'll know, take it from that angle, let's say all four of them do start week one, then it's Baker Mayfield, in my opinion. And it's Baker Mayfield because of his talent, because of the talent that's around him. I think Josh Rosen is still the most NFL ready. But if you're going to tell me you look at those two teams, who's got more talent at this point? It's actually the Browns. It's the Browns over the Cardinals, even with David Johnson being healthy. They just have more talent from their receivers. Uh, the running backs, obviously, they don't have a David Johnson talent, but they have three options, and you know how much I like Chubb. And then they have a better tight end, and they, they just have a better team. So, I, you know, Baker Mayfield also runs more than Josh Rosen does. So I would say that. But, you know, it really comes down to, again, is if Josh Allen is starting week one and starts all 16 games and none of the other three – Starts until week nine. November. He's gonna outscore. No matter how miserable of a quarterback he is, he's gonna end up outscoring him. We got to dive into the NFC North and the Green Bay Packers. Listen, Jake, you know, a lot of people think that they will be right back to prominence with the return of Aaron Rodgers. Listen, Jake, let me ask you. Are, I talk all the time about waiting for quarterback. We touched on this with Matthew Stafford, Philip Rivers, and others. Aaron Rodgers is known as, you know, obviously a top one or two quarterback in the entire NFL. Is he the exception to the rule, Jake? Are you okay with drafting Rodgers in like the, you know, whatever, the second, third round? Or are you completely waiting on quarterback even if you have an opportunity to get Aaron Rodgers? No, there's no way on earth I'm drafting Aaron Rodgers in the second, third round. If he falls to the fifth, Sure, we'll sure. talk then, but I'm, there's, I'm never taking a quarterback in the first four rounds. I don't care who it is. All right, never. absolutely. I agree with you, Jake. You know, so I just want to make sure we reinforce that for the listeners, for the fans who are starting their drafting process. Here at Roto Experts in the morning, we say stay away from the top-end quarterbacks. You will do just fine You know, being the last or the second-to-last person drafting quarterbacks on in your league, and you'll still wind up, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm spitballing here, but you could easily wind up with a Stafford, with a Rivers, uh, even with a Matt Ryan, to be quite honest, you know, if you let the draft fall to you. Jake, before the break, I was talking about how you uh, accurately called after last year's draft, who I think is going to be the kind of lead back in this Green Bay backfield. It is Jamal Williams, second-year pro. Uh, Give me a little bit of the thumbnail sketch on Jamal Williams. Why were you high on him even last year? Uh, Well, uh, I'm glad you said last year, though, because let's keep it at last year for now. But so uh, anyway, well, we'll get to that in a second. But Jamal Williams is basically what I said when he was coming out is he's got the best. uh, I joked about it, but he's got the Madden moves. It's like you hit a button. He has (laughs) like he has a spin move. He has a good stiff arm. He's got a good juke. He can bully you over. He can skip, you know, sidestep. He's got good lateral ability. He's got everything you want. In a running back, and he's a good pass blocker, and he's decent in the passing game. He's just a good all-around running back with some great skills. He's not elite at any level, but because he's above average in everything and then great in some things, he's a great all-around running back. And I just thought that he was the best opportunity here. Is Aaron Jones has some explosiveness, but he's lacking in some areas. Like He has areas where he's below average. And you look at Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery, I was a fan of Ty Montgomery when he came out of college. And if you go back and look at my draft write-up for him, it even says this, somebody needs to figure out how to use him, and they're going to have value on their hands. But the problem was is where, and I was speculating at that time, mostly in the return game, whether punts or kickoffs or both, 
uh, what they did was very interesting, and you saw his ability. But at the same time, to go back to this whole Christian McCaffrey, and, all this, and now he is bigger than them because he, I mean, he's taller to begin with. But he's also lean, and he, you can see that he's just not built to be a true running back. He got hurt twice and then got hurt significantly the second time. And I think that they move him more to back to wide receiver, and I think maybe Jerome Allison, him, and the other pieces like Jamal Moore end up becoming part of that third wide receiver, and that's a collection I don't want it to really deal with. And I think the backfield is going to come down to Williams and Jones for the most part. All right, fair enough. So we got Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. We're still trying to find the place for Ty Montgomery. The new addition on this team, Jake, is at the tight end position, Jimmy Graham. You know, he never really kind of uh, fulfilled expectations in his stint in Seattle. Are we going to see Jimmy Graham return to the Saints form? Or is he going to be just kind of a red zone target? Or do you see him as a big part of this offense in between the 20s as well? Jimmy Graham now with Green Bay. No, so, well, I'll, I'll, real quick, I want to go back so you don't want to know okay. what I was, I thought you were going to ask me about Jamal Williams for this year. That's it? You were oh, just, that's you know, it. I asked you about Jamal Williams, and I was like, oh, he's going to give his old take. But that was just last year. Go ahead. You can take it wherever you'd like, Jay. Give me some Jimmy Graham. Give me Jamal Williams for 2018. No, see, so that's what I figured you are going to follow up with. Is, so you expect, No, I actually have Jamal Williams as an RB3, and Aaron Jones not huh. that far behind him. I'm not screwing around this year because I don't think the Packers are going to go in there with Jamal Williams as the bell cow, as the lead back. I think some weeks it might even be Aaron Jones. So, no, this year it's a little bit different staying than last away. season. Yeah, so, so you stay away because make that you clear, this, this committee. Not staying away, but it's going to be deeper into the draft that I draft them. And it'll probably be – I'd rather be the person who takes whichever one's left. If somebody takes Aaron Jones first, I'll take Jamal Williams. If somebody takes Jamal Williams first, I'll take Aaron Jones. So I just want to make that clear because you make it sound like – Well, you did last year. I loved him for his talent. I thought he was going to lead the backfield. All right, fair enough. So you think it's more of a committee. And that being said, you'd rather take the guy who falls. So that's similar to what I was saying, uh, Jake, with the with the Jets wide receivers, right? I'm not going to take Robbie Anderson. I'm going to take whichever one might be a value that will fall later to me. You're thinking similarly with the Green Bay room, this is going to be a straight-up committee. I agree with you. Let's talk a little Jimmy Graham now, okay? How do you feel about right. that? Uh, is he going to be just red yeah, zone? I, I remember your question. Jordan Spieth's falling apart, by the way, sidebar. Uh, so Jimmy Graham, he, look, he's never getting back to the Saints ways. He's not going to start putting up 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns. It's, just not, it's not who he is anymore. It's not who any offense he's in is shaped to be anymore when he was the focal point with Marquise Colston. It's just not. So Jimmy Graham at this point, though, as you the second part, uh, their second option you gave – was a red zone opportunity here with, you know, no Jordy Nelson. As I just mentioned with the wide receiver position, they're looking for Geronimo Allison to step up. They're looking for potentially two. They drafted two rookies, three rookies, actually. I don't think Equinemius St. Brown's going to do anything. You know that. Uh, but the <laughs> fact is that whether it's Jamal Moore or whoever it might be, they're asking somebody to step up there. They might, as I said, move Ty Montgomery back to the line of scrimmage to be wide receiver-ish some routes, some games, because they need options. So, that's the entire situation is Jimmy Graham is one of the top three options, but he could easily go out there and put up seven to 800 yards, eight to 10 touchdowns, and that's going to put him in the top five, top six tight end conversation. Fair enough. Justin Spieth plus four after only two holes there at the U.S. Open in Shinnecock. Let me ask you, though, about Jimmy Graham, okay? Because with the name the name recognition that he has, Jake, you know, people are going to draft him, you know, I don't know, it's like, you know, in that mid uh, you know, tight end, I don't know, six, seven, eight, something like that. People are going to, I think people are going to take the chance on Jimmy Graham 
earlier just because of the name recognition. He's not because of that. He's not going to be on many of my teams. I'm going to wait. If I don't get one of these top three tight ends, I'm going to wait longer, you know, for some of these diamonds in the rough. I was talking about the Trey Burtons of the world and stuff. So do you think Jimmy Graham will be inflated, though, uh, his ADP just because of the name recognition? Yeah, he's going around there about where he should, the sixth, seventh, eighth, even, you know, like I said, sixth tight end off the board at max. But the problem is, is where that is in rounds, I'm not paying where it's going in rounds because where it's going there is just too high. You you know, the fact is I'm not taking Jimmy Graham in the sixth round. I'll take him as the sixth tight end, but I'm not taking him in the sixth round. It's two different things. Yeah, no, of course, uh, you know, that tight end run will happen a little bit later than that in drafts. All right, Jake. Uh, you know, sometimes you don't think my predictions are that bold. Sometimes, you know, because you have rankings and, you know, you're ahead of the game as well. But I could not be higher on Devontae Adams this year, Jake. You know, um, there are some teams that we talk about, you know, you know, I use the term the fantasy herd, blah, blah, blah. But I think Devontae Adams is going to be much more like a DeAndre Hopkins this year, the absolute obvious number one target guy. I wouldn't be surprised to see Devontae Adams get, you know, 150 targets this year. I wouldn't be surprised to see Devontae Adams get to 90 catches, get to 1,100 yards. This is a guy who always had a knack for scoring as well in the end zone. He had that one year, I believe it was like 14 touchdowns. And touchdowns are fluky year to year, but Devontae Adams seems to be a guy who, uh, you know, is a big red zone threat. They lose Jordy Nelson. I think Randall Cobb regresses as well. Jake, how crazy would I be if I say I think Devontae Adams can finish as high as wide receiver four this year in fantasy? Mm, It's mildly bold. Mildly bold. Where do you have him? Sixth. Six. All right. So I see, you know, you're already high on him as well, but I'll give you Antonio Brown. I'll give you DeAndre Hopkins. You know, you want to take Odell Beckham? Sure. But I love the fact that this is going to be like the obvious you know, the obvious number one target guy for Aaron Rodgers coming back. So you think he's wide receiver six already as well. So you also agree you see the ascension of Devontae Adams happening this year. You're not worried about concussions. You're not worried about anything else in Green Bay. Jimmy Graham stealing some of the touchdowns away. You're also, um, you're, I don't want to say high, but you're also in support of Devontae Adams being a, a, a top flight, uh, you know, maybe an early second round pick. No, it's no, it's not this year. It was it's already been done. It was high last year when I was telling everybody it was a wide receiver one. So it's you're too late. You're late to the party. I'm late to the party, thus not as bold. Okay, Jake, show me how it's done. <laughs> what is your bold prediction for the Green Bay Packers? No, see I told you it's mildly bold. I I don't I don't mind the fact <laughs> I don't mind it because top four or five, I mean, that's, I mean, I'll have him six. That's why I said mildly. That's a heck of a conversation that you could have put him in there with Odo Beckham and the rest of those guys. And you said DeAndre Hopkins. So it's mildly bold. I gave you credit for that. Uh, I actually said the bold prediction for the Roto Expos exclusive edge package was that Randall Cobb is a top 25 wide receiver again. That would be bold. I see him as more of a flex play. So what does that mean? Does that mean he gets he, he's grabbing 75 balls, Jake? He's, he's getting eight, 800 yards. Is that number two guy in the slot? He kind of returns to prominence to do that? Yeah, he's back to being Randall. Actually, Randall Cobb's better days were better than that. I mean, Randall Cobb <laughs> finished wide receiver one one year with Jordy Nelson, so it's not the right. first time it'll ever happen. But, yes, Randall Cobb is back to catching significant Amount of I was just I was trying to word that differently and not just say what you said because <laughs> it's just it's not the best way to say. But, but he should what? get back to oh look he should get back to about eighty receptions. He should get back to about 
I'd say a high 900, 1,000 plus yards. And, you know, with this offense, that means seven to eight touchdowns, possibly even more are coming. But you're going to give him 7,908. That's going to make you a top 25 wide receiver. All right, so Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams both have a chance to impress fantasy owners this season. Jake, real quick, I want to look at their schedule. Listen, I look at when teams have back-to-back road games because that second road game is always pretty tough, right? Excuse me, and I think I like how it sets up for the Packers because they get them as kind of sacrificial lambs anyway. Here's what I mean. Week 8 at Los Angeles, then week 9 in the second part of a back-to-back, they have to go to New England. Right. So you chalk that up probably as a loss, but you were going to chalk that up as a loss anyway, maybe in their schedule. And there's another spot in their schedule that it happens. I think the schedule works good for Green Bay. Are you a Green Bay guy or a Minnesota guy in the NFC North, Jake? Uh, if Aaron Rodgers is playing 16 games, it's always going to be Green Bay. Weekdays, 7 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So. No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.